0: And welcome to another episode of the Authentic Audience Podcast. My name is Emery Hall, and today I'm taking over the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'll be talking to Krista about all things quarantining, spirituality, Nepal, mental health, and we'll see where else this goes. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome, Krista.
1: Thank you so much, Emery.
0: You're welcome.
1: It's so good to be here.
0: (laughs) I feel so honored (laughs) to have taken over.
1: Cheers. Cheers. Emery's having a margarita and I'm having a whiskey because that's the vibe on this Monday. So I'm happy you're here and you can still take over and you can decide what we should talk about first. But it's been, uh, we did our last podcast in August. Yep. So since we have, no. Wait,
0: was it? Yes, it was. It was. Right. Okay. Okay. No. Because it yeah. was before Nepal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we, since then, have led two back-to-back trips together in Nepal, successful Excellent. trips, which I want to talk about. Um, sure. And a lot's happened. So we actually are supposed to be in Nepal right now. Yep. We had a sold-out trip planned, and uh, we had to pull the the trigger on canceling that. I feel like really proud of us because we we canceled that pretty early on, which I also want to talk about. But basically, you have the most listens by far
0: of anybody <laughs> <laughs> that I've ever had on the show. I, I know it's like uh, not a competition, but I'm really proud that I like beat Trevor. <laughs>
1: So by like hundreds, you know, (laughs) so, um, my most requested guest, my best friend, and Mm -hmm. I'm happy to have you back on. So tell me what's happening in your world right now. Well,
0: I think there's a commonality with everybody's world right now with where we're at. There's a, a level of equality in terms of all of us basically being, um, forced to be at home and face a really intense and scary and uncertain and vulnerable time that is coming, I think with a lot of different like levels and uh, it's a hugely complex time I think for everybody. And I mean, I think us being in this situation is kind of what led us to want to record another podcast again, because I just think, You and I, I think we're hungry for a space to kind of share our experiences of what's happening right now. Um, I think a lot of people are sharing their experiences, and everything is a mixed bag, and people are handling this outbreak of COVID 19 really differently. And I think part of the intention that we both set for recording this today was kind of opening us up a space to be real about, you know, the roller coaster that we're on, the roller coaster of uncertainty and what that's brought up for us. And uh hopefully maybe people can resonate with that and yeah, find some healing or some perspective or not resonate with it at all. I don't know. It's just an interesting time and I think an important time to go deep and and be honest and real and vulnerable because this is a collective thing that's happening. Um yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And we've been talking so much. I think, you know, I I think maybe the only bonus of this whole thing is getting to talk to you guys so much. So we have been like basically going, I mean, we talk a lot. We're We're all very close. Our husbands are very close and that's great. And so we're pretty much in constant communication, but I feel like Instead of like little five minute FaceTime calls here and there throughout the day, we're sitting on FaceTime together for two, three hours. Yeah. um, Just sort of like being together. And in full disclosure, we were actually supposed to record this yesterday. And I think this is a great starting off point to sort of dive into that. And we were just both fucking wiped. Like, yeah. I was in tears. I had like a whole, you know, morning. And then you were feeling just all of the things. It was a really heavy day, actually. We, we're not the only ones I think that experienced that. Yeah. But, so we just texted each other and we were like, not today. And, and all I did really, truly yesterday was take a shower and that's it. And then today we woke up and I feel a little clearer and more excited to, you know, share. And when we told Win, um,
0: <laughs> big shout out to Win. Let's just yeah, stop she, everything and give
1: Win yeah. a shout out. Um, She's been
0: my closest friend or one of my closest friends in seventh grade. And we've known each other through thick and thin. And she, leave it to her, she showed up on the first Nepal trip just a lot of friend. And we had the time of our lives and lives and Krista, I I introduced them and it was love at first sight. And I quickly became the backseat to their, uh, their ride. Oh yeah. But huge shout out to her. Cause yeah, we were texting her and saying, she asked if we had done the podcast yesterday and we said, no, we were both wiped. And she was like, well, can you talk about that?
1: Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think,
0: Let's start with that. And I
1: think, you know, talking about right now how it's been going and also just, you know, the the mental health around all of this in general, if you do suffer from anxiety or depression, which Emery and I both do, it hasn't been you know, that, that meme or whatever I posted last night was like for everybody who's like not living their best quarantine life, like cooking up recipes, doing virtual zoom classes, (laughs) like zoom happy hours and just like showered today. This is for you. And that couldn't be, be better. And I think, you know, I do have that question for you and I'm not going to use the word influencer. We read this article this morning and I'm over influencers today, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be put in that category no. either. I just, oh, so yeah, as somebody with a platform. Yeah, there you go. I that, like that. That people resonate with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you feel? Like, do you feel a responsibility? I feel like everyone's a news anchor right now. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, yeah. To just like basically spread misinformation and, you know, (laughs) pretend like they're the only ones having an experience. And now I'm actually asking you, like, what is your experience and, you know, how do you feel about sharing it in general? You know, not on here because you're going to tell me and you're going to be fucking honest about it, but... (laughs) You know, what's, what's it like, what's it, go, what's happening for you, especially knowing that there are people like looking to, to see what your experience is and how they should handle it from a spiritual point of view, from just a, you know, they look up to you point of view.
0: Yeah, it's God, there, I don't think there's like a simple answer because this is like in this situation, it's become a, like a moment by moment, breath by breath type of experience. I can't sum it up in a sentence. What I can say is that I, you and I both, kind of had the unique experience to the people that I'm surrounded by in America of going through the process of loss and change and transition earlier than most people here in the United States. Because when COVID-19 broke out in China, we, were, we knew we had a trip coming up in March and with Nepal bordering China and a huge amount of travel between those two countries. The coronavirus or COVID-19 was in our field really loud and really prevalently from the first days of February.
1: Yeah, um, I was going to
0: say even the last week of January because we were talking yeah. about it when I was still
1: in the SF apartment.
0: Yeah. And I I remember it was like really cold in Colorado and I was like on a car ride and we called each other to like chat, chat it out. But it's been so interesting because I felt quite alone in the process of having to pull the Nepal trip. It was like a emotional loss. And to be really real, it was a huge financial loss for me. And I was like going through that pretty alone. And never in my wildest dreams did I think that like it would come here. And for example, Trevor, my husband would have to like cancel months of touring, like Red Rocks, Rocks, like huge stuff. But like when I was sitting on the couch in late January, February, I was just alone in it. And like, well, this is just what comes with, you know, working in different parts of the world. And I just really didn't have any idea that it would present itself here and around the world in the way it has. So it's been like a longer process for me, to be honest. Like the grief has been the first, the grief was like Nepal centric. And then now it's uh, in our backyard and it has not been easy by any means. I have, I'm just a sensitive person as I know a lot of us are. And there's like an energy out there right now that is so real and it should be out there. And It shouldn't be ignored and it's an energy of anxiety and fear because this is a real thing and I've had really close friends that are affected by it and people that are losing jobs and massive loss on so many different scales and levels. And I, as a sensitive person, and even people I know that aren't as sensitive as me to like collective energies, I guess you could say, are really going through it right now and no one is untouched by this. And it's been the funniest thing to also watch how like social media because to get back to kind of the platform and the influencer world has handled it because I think it's been beautiful in some ways and also really detrimental in other ways. And it's brought out the, I think, the light sides of social media, but it's also brought out the kind of shadow side of social media, which is that we're, you know, the compare and despair, right? Like, for me, you know, I wrote a post when I was, when I first addressed, you know, the pro- the COVID-19 and my experience of it and pulling Nepal publicly, I also said I, I was going to use the time to like write my book. Right. And to be totally honest, that has meant maybe one hour every few days of trying to get words down, but otherwise feeling largely paralyzed and You know, looking at the news a lot, I've since stopped that because it really hasn't helped. I also took a break from Instagram. I think those
1: two things, just pausing right there, are like so important to talk about because Clay said to me last night, and I was just telling you this earlier, he thinks that Instagram is really hurting me right now. I always come from a place of being not enough and my audience and you are both very familiar with that story and, you know, feeling like I fail every day and I'm not getting enough done and you know, we luckily have more work on our plates than ever. And I'm so grateful for that abundance. But for me, it's been really hard because I'm seeing people like for real, like do the zoom workouts and like cook these Epic meals or like I found myself, you know, and it feels so selfish and shitty to say it, but like jealous of people that don't have to work right now because what a nice break that would be, which I think for me says so much more about like my priorities. Like I shouldn't need a global pandemic to take a break. (laughs) So like, that's another conversation. But for me, Instagram and the news, like every, it's so subconscious because I think so many of us are so used to like my, you know, my left hand is like my phone yeah, having that access and, when you don't look at it, like we all, you and Trev and Clay and I decided like over a week ago to kind of cool it with the news. And even this morning, Clay and I read some some news and I don't think it's a coincidence. We've been like arguing all day and like super heavy. Like there's just yeah. underlying heaviness that is yeah. impossible to ignore, even without Instagram, even without the news. hundred percent. But I do think like what you're hitting on right now is crucial to like managing it?
0: A hundred percent. I, I just, for me, taking the step back from the news was not an intention of turning my eyes or my head from this really important and, and scary issue. It was managing my own energy, right? Because I was being consumed and having so much anxiety. I didn't even know where it was coming from. And I think, to be honest, fuck the workouts and the meals and the meal planning and the detoxes and like the making the most of this time. Because for me, when I look at people doing that, I'm not in that space right now. I I applaud you if you are, and there's nothing wrong with it. But like, if you're not, get that energy out of your field. And for me, like when you texted me that you had taken a shower yesterday, I just wanted to text you back like small wins. For me, it's like getting dressed or doing the sauna or reading a chapter in the book or going for a three mile walk. If I do that in one of these days right now, I feel like accomplished. And the moment I turn on Instagram and start looking at what other people are doing, that all goes to shit kind of. And it's super unhealthy because people manage situations like this. This is an unprecedented situation globally, but you know, we have like microcosmic examples in our own lives or around the world. And everybody treats these things differently. And I think we need to respect how other people respond to crises. We need to respect if somebody needs to sign off for weeks at a time and not communicate, or if somebody needs to over communicate, or if somebody wants to cleanse, or if somebody's biggest win is putting on something other than sweatpants. There needs to be like compassion and realness in this situation. And so much of the influencer world is uh, such BS anyways. Yeah. And this situation has just kind of brought it out even more in some ways. I agree. I think,
1: I think it's, you know, it's not to get political, but when Trump got elected, I was like so upset, you know, because when Obama ran, I was 18. So it was like the first time I could vote and I was like so excited and felt like, Actually, the last time I was saying on my solo episode that I actually feel a bit patriotic, like more than I ever have. And, um, just because I want to like take care of our elders. I want to take care of my neighbors. Like I've known this woman across the street from us or I'm sorry, across the door from us. Like, yeah. And I never really connected with her and she has two kids. She's a single mom. And I found myself knocking last week. Like, if you need anything, if you have an emergency in the night, we're going to the store, like we're going to tell you. And it's like this collective energy around our neighbors. Like before this, I felt more connected to Nepali people than uh, my neighbors. And so I do feel like a more connectedness around that. But my point in saying this was when Trump got elected, I was so discouraged and disheartened because I was like feeling patriotic, you know, when I was, I was in liberal arts college. I was voting for Obama. I was like, you know, the future is bright, blah, blah, blah. And then he said to me, my mentor, when I was feeling really upset about this, that we're actually in an upswing because for things to change, people need to wake up.
0: Mm. And
1: so he was like, the fact that Trump is getting elected actually, to me, feels like we're going forward in a really positive direction because people won't be able to Stay asleep anymore, and I sort of feel like that same thing is happening with these influencers. Like you're realizing who the people really are <laughs> you've been like following, and in order, it's like, are you still selling flat tummy tea at this moment?
0: Because like I cannot, <laughs> I, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot buy with your discount code the flat tummy tea. <laughs> I will not swipe up. No.
1: <laughs> so anyway, my point is just to say, like I think you know, I'm really noticing, and I was telling you this the other day too, like listening to Gavin Newsom on NPR or whatever, I was listening to him on our governor. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we have him in office. I'm so glad he's our governor to like feel so calm and hear that. And I think then you hear, you watch these press conferences and you just sort of see these, the way that the people that you follow, the people that you elect, like from everyone, from our, you know, people who are running our government to the influence that are. Influencers that are in our lives every day because they're on our goddamn screen and we see them every single day. And subconsciously or consciously, we are feeling that. And to now see this like reaction, it's kind of like the blinders, like the veil has been
0: lifted. Truly. I want to touch on that because when we started this episode, I was saying that there's so many levels and like complexities and sides to this issue. And yes, news and social media has been like a pain point in a lot of ways for, I think a lot of people. And that's kind of what, like one of the things that we're all, I think in some way struggling with and how to like manage that and stuff. But when I was deciding to like address the issue on Instagram, I was kind of toiling with, am I gonna like speak to the darkness of this time or can I like bring some light into it? And then I was like, is it even right to bring light into this? it seems so heavy and there's so much loss. Like, how can I find like the silver lining in this for like, say that when so many people are in the depths of true suffering. But I, in the end I decided to talk about how, like you said, like in, in, in the same vein of the patriotic feeling that's been invoked in you during this time, like for me, I've spoken to more of my neighbors and felt more connected to people, even just like passing on the street at the six foot distance, like the smile that you get from a stranger these days is just different. There's a different weight and a different depth and richness to the, to the, Communication or connection that we're having with the people around us, and it's the most paradoxical thing, right? Because we're in this time of like really real isolation, and yet I feel more connected to the, my neighbors in our little like townhome area or people on the street than I've ever felt. And it was really reminiscent for me of uh, Nepal, like you I said. You're gonna say it, yeah, yeah. and totally, and. When I first went to Nepal, like, I didn't know that I could be, like, when I was treated like a son or a daughter in a family of, like, complete strangers, my modern Western mind was like, this can't be, like, altruistic. Like, they're going to ask me for something or, like, I'm going to need to, like, I didn't believe in, like, the depth of, like, authentic goodness and and that depth of hospitality. Like, I questioned it for a while. And then when I kept getting proven wrong time and time again and left with a belly full and a heart full and nothing asked of me from the houses and and hearts of strangers that I had met in villages where they had nothing compared to the privilege that I grew up with in Connecticut and suburban Connecticut. That was what kept me coming back. That's actually a question that a lot of people asked or submitted on Instagram when I asked what people wanted me to talk about or us to talk about. Was what kept you coming back. And for yeah. me, it was the human connection that has nothing to do with the fact that it's the Himalayas and this stunning landscape in the highest mountains in the world. It was the hearts of the people. And it's been that way for 10 years. And I've,
1: yeah.
0: and that. A TT De one might say. One might say. That's a saying in Nepal, which means the guest is God. And it's how the country functions. Like when you put your finger on the pulse of Nepal, it is a TG Deva Bhava. That is the pulse of the country. That is how it functions. There's the saying, it takes a village. Well, there's one city in Nepal and then the rest of the country is villages. And if you understand that concept, you understand Nepal. And I had never felt that in America before. And I know some people probably grew up in churches or in, you know, on compounds or in communal living and probably felt that in like microcosmic examples. But like walking down the street in LA, it was soul-sucking for me. And it was heartbreaking, actually. More than soul-sucking, it was heartbreaking to not feel it in the country that I came from, hence why I spent the past 10 years being over there. And it's just so surprising that in the wake of this pandemic, I have started to feel that energy of TT Deva Baba in my backyard for the first time in America. And it's been the biggest breath of fresh air and sigh of relief and heartwarming thing that I've experienced. So there is so much good to be had in this moment, as well as so much loss to be felt. And I think that holding space for both is how the situation should be approached because there's no... There's no one side to this situation.
1: And that, my friends, is why Emery is my best friend. Mike, drop. The end. Um, <laughs> no, I couldn't agree more. And you're just so eloquent every time you speak about Nepal. And I'm so grateful that I have somebody to give it words because my feelings are so strong about Nepal, but I can't give it the same. Like, you know, you've obviously been going for such a long time. And this is a great segue into that, but... It was so funny you bring up Nepal and I knew you were going to bring that up because I just did. But a, 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 like two weeks ago, we were on a bike path and I locked eyes with this guy and I was so called to say namaste to him mm. and I felt it, you know, and so <laughs> in and I didn't because like I would have been like this woo-woo, like blonde, crunchy, like it would have been so out of context, but I shared with Clay later, <laughs> I was like, I was so called to say namaste to that guy because what the way he looked at me so in Nepal when you greet somebody and this is something that I miss more than anything else about Nepal and I come home so you're on a street a busy street and every single or a, I'm sorry not a street a fucking dirt <laughs> path yeah, yeah. we're you're like, on like, this <laughs> dirt path Emory's got her camera <laughs> I'm like just my asshole self, like trying through, you know, fa- trying to speak Nepali, like desperately with my like, horrendous <laughs> accent. And we look, you lock eyes with somebody, and you say Namaste with your hands at your heart, and you mean it. And what Namaste means is literally the light in me is recognizing the light in you. And the way I feel it is like you are seeing each other's souls. It's not just like hi. Like, you know, how if you pass them on the street here, you go, hello, when you say namaste, these people look at you like they just looked into your soul. And for a moment, it's like oneness. And Mm. that to me, what namaste really is like, it's, I can only, when I'm in that place in me and you're in that place in you, then we're one. And then all they're in that place in them all day every day, 24 hours a day. And so there, the oneness is like unbelievable. Like my favorite thing about going there and I'll get back to my point is like, it's all one, right? So there's pe- bodies on the street, there's chickens yeah. on the street, there's <laughs> prayer on the street, there's children on the street. Like it's all one, it's all open. So like they are living namaste. So when you look at them and you look in their eyes and every person you say it to, Mm-hmm. Every stranger, you are literally saying, "I see your soul, like I love you, basically." And I was so called for the first time <laughs> to say it to this guy last week. i like, we, it, I felt it, like we said it with our eyes. And I'm like, okay, I just, and it, I think too, Nepal is always on our minds, but we are supposed to be there right now. Yeah, like were. we are supposed to be in Nepal right now, and my attachment is great and strong and there are teachers there that Emory has introduced me to and family now that Emory has introduced me to. And I think this is a great segue into Nepal because that's what so many people want to hear about, which to me is so exciting.
0: Yeah. Like my most
1: requested guest is Emory. And the t- the topic people want us to discuss is Nepal. Those are two of my favorite things in the entire world. <laughs> Emery and Nepal, So I'm like, great. Plus whiskey, which I'm sitting here. <laughs> so, I'm just like, so stoked that people s- get it. And, yeah. um, I want to talk about that. So together, Emory, you know, I'm like her little sidekick kind of, it's really funny when we go there. And, um, Emory is basically you know, people want to know everything and look up to her and, and she's talking about, you know, the only other, I've said this before and I'll say it one more time. So for those of you who listen to Trevor Hall, which is probably most of you, you know, there's the Trevor that I'm friends with that makes fun of me that, you know, puts ice on my head and, <laughs> and you know, posts embarrassing videos of me and, you know, calls me John Boo. There's the Trevor that I have. That's my friend. And then there's the Trevor on stage, um, that everyone gets to see and witness. And he's in the flow. Like he's singing, that's his, his art. It's his connection. And everyone can feel God when he sings. That is how I feel when I witness Emery in Nepal. So there's the Emery I'm best friends with who we drink wine and we talk shit and we pray and we laugh and we cry. And then there's Emery the Nepali villager um, who <laughs> has the biggest heart in the world who haggles with cab drivers and you literally it's like a persona it's super <laughs> authentic but it's not like the Emery that speaks English
0: no but it's I think it's a truer form of me to be yeah, honest yeah a hundred percent
1: and I got to yeah. see it really early on in our friendship and I you know I loved Emery for a very long time before I met her and then we met and Um, I, all of my, you know, thoughts about her were confirmed. And then she took me to Nepal and it exceeded any expectations. So when we go there, Emery's basically in this form and I'm doing the logistics, half half in Nepali, half in English, like, you know, it's so fun. And I would say that we had very successful trips. Yeah. And, um, it was life-changing and we're still in contact, like seeing the WhatsApp groups of group one and two, like I still like watch what they're saying and their connection. And it was really, really powerful. And so my biggest, you know, thing about Nepal is like, what was your biggest takeaway? First of all, from leading the trips. Yeah.
0: Cause I actually don't know this answer. That's a really good question. Hold on. Let me think on it for a sec.
1: I can keep like talking while, until you think of it. But my question is like, what was your biggest takeaway from it? Because the the notes and the feedback and the love and the connection, um, you know, if you want to know the specifics of the trip, I don't want to talk about that and waste time. So there's a website, Mountain Kingdom Journeys, that may or may not be live depending on the day because Emery's moon is in Virgo. So <laughs> sometimes she decides to redo it and take it down. Outed me. <laughs> So if you get lucky, uh, mountainkingdomjourneys.com is where you can find out like the the schedule and where we take you and what you do. And it's like the most epically curated experience of all time. We partnered with Emery's Nepali family there on the ground. So there's like the authentic Nepal experience. And I think Emery's ready for her answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can stop bullshitting. <laughs> with leading those trips, I mean, I wasn't surprised by by this, but I, you just never know because I have spent so much of my time in Nepal alone over a decade. And my experience of Nepal um, is so particular and unique to me. And while I've shared it with Trevor and, you know, my mom came and you came and you guys walked out with the same Feeling like I didn't know what a group of individuals who who I didn't know, like complete strangers to me, were gonna walk out of the trip with. And like it was no guarantee that they would walk out feeling the things that I felt about Nepal um at all.
1: And fast forward to group two all getting tattoos in Nepal.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We should maybe not publicize that, but I'm just going to say it. Ten, I think ten or eleven, of, or no, ten of the twelve, I think, ended up getting tattoos, tattoos. Yeah, together. So
1: yeah, it was pretty. Maybe me being one of them, and just to circle back, I got a Titi Deva Baba. Yeah,
0: on my arm. Yeah. So that to hear people's like you know over dinners, like as the as the trip was winding down, I would sit down and talk with people. And I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised in some sense. Like I was so happy to know that it wasn't just me. People like Nepal is truly what I think it is. And people were changed by that smile on the street and they felt that love and they felt that level of being held in a place that is like so to the eyes, so foreign. And that was really beautiful to bear witness to. And it made me feel less alone in my experience of it. And it just like kind of fueled my fire and my love for it. But like on a, on a more personal level, I think with the trips, cause these trips were like many years, obviously in the making, something that did take me off guard. And and I, I re- it really hit me at the end of group two when we were about to go home. I kind of had this moment of like, I, we were sitting at Boomi's and I remember I was like starting to tear up. It was the final dinner. And someone had asked me like what the trips had meant to me. And in that moment, I realized all of like the pain and suffering that I had been through over 10 years, because much of what people see on Instagram are those beautiful moments of Nepal and me, uh, but they don't see the altitude sick me or the sleeping on a floor me or sleeping on a bus and like my back is in pain and, and I'm sick with dysentery like for days or weeks or we're stuck in a snowstorm with no flashlights at Sixteen thousand feet, and like I'm scared out of my mind. Like I don't share a lot of that side. Those aren't the trips,
1: by the way. That, that's not those are not s- the trips. That's not what we're selling.
0: <laughs> no, but I realized what those moments were for. Finally, wow! I flashed back to like that moment of having to walk. One of our porters got frostbite, and we had to walk an extra seven hours after walking nine hours. At 19 from 19,000 feet in the middle of a snowstorm, I got into my tent at like 3am having walked on like icy cliffs and pitch black. And I was like, totally thought I was going to die. It was one of the lowest physical moments and emotional moments of my life. And I was newly 20. And I like realized what that moment was for. It was, it all came full circle. Like all of the feeling, even alone and living in Nepal. I, w- I lived in Nepal when I was 21. With, with no phone. With no phone. Yeah. That's actually really funny. Cause when I met Trevor, I didn't even have a phone. Like, like I was so, so stupid. We would have never been friends. We would have never been friends. Like I am <laughs> like, Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have a phone. Like, hi, bye. No, I didn't have a phone. I lived in a foreign country on my own with a Nepali family with no English speaking people because I loved it. But that doesn't mean that that didn't come with like a lot of moments of feeling pretty alone and it all made it all worth it. The trips were the culmination of those moments and then all the high moments too. And I was really taken by that ask me what my biggest takeaway was what was your biggest takeaway
1: <laughs> my biggest takeaway was people seeing that so i think seeing what i'm telling you okay let <laughs> let me elaborate <laughs> So have a little, another sip of your little drink over there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, so my biggest takeaway, and I know this because I am a champion of Emory. It comes very natural to me to champion her because she's amazing and It's like, you know how like maybe you'll start dating somebody and not everybody in your friend group gets to like see this person in the light that you get to see them in because like with you, they're super vulnerable and like open and, you know, maybe they're a little more reserved in front of your friends and you're like, God, fuck, I just wish like everyone else could see the person that I get to see, you know, and I sort of had that with Ms a lot because you know, plot twist or spoiler alert when you really get to know her, she's 10 times better than what you see on (laughs) social media. And what you see on social media is pretty great, but there's a whole full dimensional person behind that account (laughs) and she's fucking epic. And so what was so cool for me was I knew people were coming on the trip and we talk about this a lot on the last episode. Emery, you know, was like, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about Nepal. It's about Nepal. I'm like, okay, okay, but, like, we're not going to be able to get people to Nepal (laughs) if, like, we don't include you in this, like, being the messenger, you know, spreading the love and light that is Nepal. And so getting there, I think you realized this, too, on the trip. People wanted to spend time with you, and people wanted to hear your stories, and you – opened up and you shared them and you got to talk about those trips that you hiked 19,000 feet at altitude, super stick like getting flown out of this place or whatever. And, and the real story, not that you have ever told a fake story, but the real like depth of the story of meeting Trevor in India and, and just like the stories that you told. And for me as your best friend and champion looking around the bus, like we would be on these like rickety, not rickety. It was a very nice bus, um, (laughs) but very bumpy be, (laughs) you know, going to some village or some experience or some temple or whatever that was on our, on our, uh, itinerary for the day. And Emery would start telling stories and she's such a good storyteller, such a good writer, obviously. And for me, it was looking around the bus and feeling these people get to meet the Emery that I know and they saw it, you know, they saw. And so not only did you get to realize like what it was all for but everyone got to see one Nepal's everything. And two, you didn't make it about you at all, you know, and that was a huge piece of it actually, because unlike a yoga retreat or, or a trip, and I think this is worth mentioning, you know, Emory was the trip leader, right? But it was for Nepal and Nepal was always the guide. And I think, you know, at, at the beginning or even throughout, there was like Emory was, people were like wanting more Emory and she kept continued to say like, this isn't about me. This is about Nepal. And all her stories came back to, you know, this underlying theme of teaching about Nepal and just like the lack of ego, you know, I'm sorry, but if like 40 people flew across the world because I asked them to, like my ego would be fucking <laughs> through the roof. <laughs> You know, lack of ego and lack of just, like, I don't know how else to describe it, but for me, that was the biggest takeaway was like, one, I didn't know how much you would let them in. Like, Emery has what's called a mafia, and I'm very <laughs> lucky to be on the inside, and and it's uh, I did not name this mafia, just want to- No, PSA. but we call it her mafia because of, you know, she's just very sensitive, and- you know, I appreciate that has boundaries with who she lets in, and I think that's so important. It's one of the biggest things you've taught me. But I didn't know, like leading the trip with all these people. I'm like, I'm like, fuck, every introvert, like, how's this gonna go? And like some nights it was me at the bar in the hookah, and every <laughs> needed to go to bed. Like it was the the introvert was like, I'm done. And it worked really well. And I think we're good partners for that in that way. But ultimately you let everyone in and they all felt the same connection to you and the same, you know, they got to see the like Mm -hmm. Emery that I know and love. And that was so, so cool to witness. So like you saying, you know, your biggest takeaway was like why it all mattered. And then for me, it was having all of these strangers become family and also see why it all mattered. And it was like Mm. this big, beautiful moment. And also my biggest takeaway was when, <laughs> so just circling back, I didn't get to say anything about when earlier, but, uh, when is, it's so cool. Cause it feels like I have a friend, Aaron, um, who I feel this way about, but when is Emery's like, best friend, like you can see their photos from like seventh grade when they would like go to Hot Topic and like make oh, everybody's yeah. dad take them to like, you know, warp. Warp, warp tour and stuff and totally the rebels of their like Connecticut, like environment. <laughs> and when... Plot twist. I was a total punk at some point in my life and like loved mosh pits. So. And and when, and I've heard about when, and she um, has been in Emery's life. And so of course I was like, I get me at this human that's like managed to stay in the mafia all these years and getting to meet her in Nepal and like have that whole experience of it was like your past, like she, and she like when not a spiritual person, like, (laughs) <laughs> just to like state that like wants to kill us when we talk about astrology like she's the most grounding she is a Taurus um energy she's a t- I love that I just said <laughs> you, you don't really get- I'm sorry she's, she's gonna out. kill you anyway um getting to meet her and connect with her and like have that whole experience was really really special to me and then we got to go a few months later we planned in Nepal a girls' trip and getting Emery to commit to things is like not super easy but because she was like so high on the Nepal vibes when we were there we got her to commit to a trip and I think you know having that relationship and other other women that were there and other people we connected with that have reached out and texted me and just like If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have a lot of things, but I think Nepal being the biggest one, right. And then all these connections. So it's just kind of crazy how crazy how it all happens. And, uh, speaking of connections and Nepal, a lot of people are asking me like, what's happening? When's the next trip? Like what the fuck's going on? So, yeah we were, so we had launched and sold out. Um, the reason why you never saw it on social media is because Emery has this marketing person in her life that helps her grow her email (laughs) list. And, uh, uh, you sold the second trip straight from your email list. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, that's why if you follow her on Instagram, uh, you don't see it. So, you know, throughout the year, uh, people jump on the wait list to find out and every time she announces it to her email, it sells. So makes my job really easy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it was supposed to be right now and um, that was canceled. And some people aren't able to make the new dates, um, which mm-hmm. we have not publicly announced. So I will not do that here, but we're looking towards a uh, late fall of next year. And so- yeah for my VIPs listening, you know, keep checking in with Mountain Kingdom Journeys. And if you really want to know, get on Emery's email list, um, which you can do from her website, Emery Hall, and we'll be updating. But the answer, are we going back?
0: Yes. Hell and yeah. we're going back. <laughs> we're going back more than ever. I think I just, I, I don't know if a lot of people listening have a connection to Nepal, but obviously it's a huge part of my life. And watching this whole like scenario unfold has been heartbreaking and really difficult to think about and to kind of grasp the, you know, extremity of like, not to kind of put a damper on things, but I think you should talk to Maggie's post, like what you were going to say, go
1: with that. Cause Maggie was on this podcast.
0: Yeah, Maggie was one of I've I've known about her for years and she was one of Krista's guests. She started a organization called Blink Now, um, which works with you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think you know more about her, but um children and families in a kind of rural area of Nepal. Yeah, her, and her whole them. thing
1: is uh, children and women in Nepal. Yeah.
0: And education and and stuff. And she it's really difficult to find consistent and solid information on like news sources in Nepal, but I've been trying to stay updated with the people that I know that are on the ground there, Maggie being one of them. And Nepal, since the end of March, has gone on a total lockdown. And what that has meant for the country is very different compared to what it has meant for us here in our lockdown. Because Nepal, so, so much of the work is centered around Kathmandu. A lot of, Crystal, like you know, like workers either leave Nepal to go to like the UAE or to India to Dubai to work, or they work in the city and then send money back to the villages. But unfortunately, no one in Nepal had a warning about the lockdown, and so a lot of them actually are stuck either in the countries where they do migrant labor or in Kathmandu. Um, I was just reading reports today about the workers that are stranded in India that can't get back to their families. Uh, Nepal won't let them in because they're on a lockdown. And uh, a group of men tried to swim across the Mahakali River. Uh, between the Nepal and India border and we're arrested on the Nepal side for doing so just trying to get back to their families and people are running out of food and water and people live on you know a dollar a day there and it's a day-to-day thing and it's heartbreaking and heart-wrenching and I know it's heavy to hear and it's heavy for me to sit with in addition to what's going on here but it has only made my work and these trips feel more important uh, and and more necessary. And it's the reason why I want to continue to build a bridge between my audience or my platform in Nepal. It's what makes this type of work ethical travel or travel that has like builds bridges and cross-cultural communication and doesn't exploit the places we go to and really gives back Th- this type of travel. I wrote about it recently about how this time is really like all travel has ceased, So let's take a moment to like think about how we travel and why we travel. And Instagram has been a platform that has really, I think, done a lot of good, but it's also caused a lot of issues with some pretty shallow, promoting shallow travel that doesn't positively impact the communities that we put ourselves in and travel to. And the whole mission behind these Mountain Kingdom Journeys trips is really to kind of exemplify a a model of travel that does not exploit, that does not take from, that does not leave with more than they've put back, you know? And so much of travel is really detrimental to the cultures that are visited and to the communities that we visited. And there's this homogenization of every little place needing to meet like American or Western or European standards. And in that the languages are being lost and cultures are being lost and so at the other side of this my mission with mountain kingdom journeys and these trips to nepal feels more necessary and more urgent than ever because these countries nepal and so many others around the world are going to need a lot of help and they're going to need our respect when we walk into these places again and when the restrictions are lifted so yeah yeah, it's
1: so crazy. And I think, you know, one thing and that leads into sort of the next thing I wanted to talk about because we could really talk about Nepal forever. So yeah, and the next question is still about Nepal. But the last thing I want to say about that is like Nepal is so resilient and perfectly leads into it. I want to say and like, so oftentimes you and I like because Emery and I like definitely like we get massages and like, you know, we're, we're not these like spokespeople for, you know, any way of living or preaching. But like when we're in Nepal, like with Emery, it's you know, we've slept on dirt floors and I've also slept in like really nice hotel rooms with her, you know, and it's really, truly a balance. And, and I want to say that. And I think sometimes when we are home and we're like complaining or, you know, having a day, we'll just text each other a picture of Ama or of, um, what's her name with the chickens? Uh, uh, Anumaya. Anumaya. Okay, so there's this, Ugh, there's this. My queen. Yeah. Our queen in, in this village, um, Emery's Nepali brother. And I guess mine too now, um, Amrit. Sure uh, when we go with uh, them to the village, they're the one that the ones that take us. And it's actually Amrit's village. And I've talked about that, that we go to. So it's his younger sister, Anumaya. Who's like who's 10, 10, twelve? Yeah, I think she's a lot or no, she's twelve. And okay. I just have to paint a picture. So I'm brushing my teeth. So we're at they actually have um, it's not like a straw hut or a mud hut. They actually have it's not cement, but like real walls. Um, it's,
0: it's it's a mud mixture. A mud but it's, mixture. well, it's yeah.
1: They have a um for their village. it's like it's quite a nice um setup up on this little ridge and uh, we've posted so many pictures of it. and that's where Emery and I stay when we go to the village and Anumaya lives there and the picture is me just like brushing my teeth outside with my you know water bottle in the garden <laughs> in the garden and I'm just like sitting there brushing my teeth and Anumaya walks by me with, I think eight to 10 chickens that she's holding by their feet upside down (laughs) to put away in the coop. And I look at her with like my toothbrush in my mouth. And I was just like, hurrah, which is like, (laughs) really? (laughs) And then I was like, Emery, you got to see this. So then the next night, like Anu, one of her like million tasks to like keep the village functioning, this 12 yeah. year old is she puts the chickens in at night and just the way that she does it and the way that she is whenever Emery and I are like in it or like, you know, having a moment of, dare I say, you know, like first world problems for lack of a better world, word, um, we just send each other this video of Anumaya <laughs> with the chickens that we took and for me it's like always coming back to that like cuz whenever we're here you know sleeping in our beds having our comforts like living our lives having our anxiety whatever experiencing nepal is still there and mm-hmm. my next question is coming home because that's what so many people wrote me about mm-hmm. was how do you come back Oof. and it's so hard for me it's it Like we come home, Emery and I are like speaking, you know, the Spanglish version of like Nepalian English. Like I'm full on like dressed in our, you know, outfits and I have to like get the, it's just like such a vibe to come home and you've been doing it a lot longer than me and people who haven't necessarily been to Nepal, but India and other countries wrote me like, how do you,
0: how do you function in the two worlds? Yeah. Oh man it's a it's definitely a practice, just like anything you know I wouldn't you know trade my experiences over in that part of the world for anything, but the coming home is like ten years later, it's maybe gotten like slightly easier than the first trip, but not by much, man, it's like the only thing or the the main thing that I think I've learned in coming and going so many times because. I do it like twice a year or more for a decade. Like there's definitely like, I've been through the process so many times and it's it's never easy by any means. But when I was young and kind of much more of a rebel in some ways, and I had this attitude of like, America's got it all wrong. And like, everybody's got it wrong over there. And I'm just, I could never live there. Like when I met Trevor, I had no intention of living in the states for you know a long period of time i had no intention of settling down here i didn't want anything to do with america and i was in this like high and mighty super privileged like i just want to like fuck it all and like live in this part of the world and in being over there and being alone and sitting with that of course there were moments where i did miss my family and and miss certain parts of my life in the U S and when I got home, I would enjoy them for like the first week. You're like, Oh my God, a hot shower and a smoothie and like raw totally. food. And it's like so amazing and visceral. And you're like Ugh. avocados, and avocado. Remember when we, one time Chris and I were like really struggling on this trek and we listed, I think for like a good two hours, just all the things we were grateful for about life back in the U S it was like avocado, kombucha, just like the little, things and I'm like in. what I would give. It's just so ironic right now to be on that track. To, to like forego the kombucha and the avocado and the raw food. I know it's just wild, but um, it's a paradox. It is a paradox. (laughs) You know, eventually the, the, like the consistent hot shower. Everyone
1: from group one will get that.
0: Very true. Yeah. You know, that all fades after like a week and then you're just sitting with the, where am I? And like, what am I doing? And uh, all these things that I really was wishing for when I was over there were like, don't feel as good now that I've had them for a week, but I realized that uh, I would be be doing a disservice to Nepal, to the people that I meet over there, and ha- who have taught me and loved me and fed me and cared for me and imparted uh, wisdom that's worth more than any money in the bank. Like it would be doing them a disservice if I didn't come home and didn't share the stories and didn't invoke the Atiti Deva Bhava, you know, that energy or that mood or that bhava, bhava is like the word for mood, you know, back home. And I started to realize that I had to blend the two worlds. Like that was my dharma, like coming home was, was the fulfilling of the circle. So I did little things like when I was, living with my parents still and unmarried and coming home from these trips, like when their friends would show up or whatever, or stop by on a walk, I would like offer them tea and crackers because that's what happened. That's what people in the village did for me. And I tried to invoke that thing that Nepal left that they were imparted on my heart and like try to invoke that at home. And keeping little tinges of it throughout my day like the burning of the incense incense or listening to music or making it feel like they weren't two hemispheres apart like from each other really has helped me in the process of coming home and just recognizing that coming home is necessary it's what my life has asked of me it's what my marriage asks of me it's what my duties you know ask of me and so how can i make the most of it and how can i stay One of our teachers always says everything is under. So that's something I always think about with, you know, a lot of people feel a lot of loss when they come down from these experiences, even if it's like a yoga retreat or like where they've been in this, you know, container of like this beautiful experience and then they go back to their day-to-day life and they feel this loss. And I always remember the words of one of our teachers that everything is under and these experiences do, they never leave you. Like Nepal is under. No, it's, it's
1: so real. Like there isn't a day, like there isn't a day where I don't go to Nepal, like yeah. in my mind and my heart, like, you know, my shrine, my incense that I got is from Nepal. My incense holder, all of my mortis, all of my little deities and statues on my shrine, all from the streets of Patton in Nepal. Yeah. And wherever you are in my apartment, actually, um, you can see prayer flags at any at any point there is prayer flags like somewhere in your eyeline and or one of Emery's photos so in everywhere I look, I, there's Nepal. And I think for me, I need that. So many people mm-hmm. like, like Emery, like really sees God everywhere and sees the divine everywhere and is really like <laughs> able oh. to tap into that place more than me. Um, I'm, uh, still working on that, but I think like for you, you can like close your eyes and like be there more. And I don't think you need to have these external things, but you know, when you do come home, I think that was such a beautiful answer. And like, it's so true. Like we were at, you know, we have some new mutual friends and we were at their house a couple weeks ago and they were asking me about me and you and Nepal and stuff like that. And they made us dinner. And, um, you know, they were strangers, mutual friends that invited us in for dinner. And I was telling them what that meant to me. Right. Because of, Mm -hmm. you know, feed everybody and, and all of that. And a T.T. Dave above And they're like, what does that mean? And I got to share that like what you just did, you just treated us like God, you just let these strangers into your home and you fed us dinner. Like that is the most beautiful thing. And I didn't feel that way before Nepal. I didn't feel yeah. that way, you know? And so it really has, it's like, I look at everything now with a lens over it and it will never go away. Even if I didn't go back to Nepal like as often as we want, plan to go together it's like in me and and it gets under your skin and i've had people write us from the groups that they're still having experiences right or moments that like yeah. immediately draw you back there i wrote on my instagram last week i smelled Nepal when i was yeah. on our on our moped ride so i think you know that question though it can feel so hard and like the worlds are so separate i think that's such a beautiful answer and like that advice to like therein lies the work like you're meant to come home you're meant to share if you never came home hundreds of people wouldn't have your photos hanging on their walls like if you never came home like it's so those 40 people wouldn't have experienced that trip and and the hundreds to come because if you're wondering the plan for mountain kingdom journeys oh yeah there is one and <laughs> so many people are gonna get to experience it and it's just so beautiful and exciting and it's just hard and there's no like easy advice for that Mm -hmm. but I think intention and what you said like I you know I I'm called to come home and like how do I bring that back and I have my daily rituals and practices which I need to like have material tangible things like Emery's photos or my incense or my prayer flags to remind me that it's just like a breath away but I think for oh, trust you,
0: me I need them too I, yeah I, but I, I for yeah you it's do. more
1: like all in
0: you're like Nepal like <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I'm saying though it's but like, I don't feel that you might feel that around yeah. me but I feel the pangs of separation often yeah yeah and I, mean, I do need reminders even after 10 years of and speaking the language and like having it there's all our house you know our house. It's filled with my photos and, yeah. and the incense relics. bundles that we have. Yeah. Relics. It's all Nepal. Um, and I need those things.
1: I do. Yeah. So I just think that it's, you know, a work in progress and the fact that you do choose to come home and like what you do with that and how you share your experiences and let that really sink in. Because I can tell you right now, every single person that came on our trips, like I live a Titi Deva Baba, like we a couple months ago had someone that was going to come stay with us. And Clay was like, I'm so busy. Like, I'm so mad. He was like mad that I like had this plan. And our friend was like having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I want to help this person. And he was being kind of an asshole. And I literally looked at him and I was like, our family, our children, the culture that we create in this family is a Titi Deva Baba. Mm. like we stop what we're doing and our kids need to know that, you know, like it doesn't matter how busy mom or dad were whenever somebody needed anything, they were cooking them dinner, giving them a place and he got it. And he also hasn't been to Nepal. So Mm. TBD on that, but he went from being like on his computer grumpy to like, he ended up making this guest like homemade pasta that night. Mm. And like he, he, it just took that like, Oh, right. Like this is something that is so easy Mm. to like put in our lives and like bring back into our lives. And I think you guys do a really good job of it too. Like you've, done it with us when we've come and visited. And it's just like a way of living that can translate from wherever you're from, whatever you take from it. Like my sister had such bad culture shock when we came, she moved back from Buenos Aires. She was living there for a while. And so now every Christmas to this day, she hasn't lived there in like five years. We make empanadas and pisco mm. sours as a way to like honor her time there. Mm, um, and beautiful. it's just become a part of our tradition. So Yeah. It's crazy. It's beautiful. Um, Moving on from Nepal though, because I feel like uh,
0: we've really talked a lot
1: about it. People fucking love Nepal. I'm telling you, even if you haven't been there, you can feel it. Yeah. And for the people that have been there and the people that, you know, have been in our trips and are our true, you know, family now, it's like it's for them. This one's for them. So the last couple of questions, I got a lot of questions about Trevor and I love Trevor, but I sort of want to maybe table the Trev one, like how you guys have met. La la la. Um, Maybe we should do one. Like
0: I'm just going to invite
1: myself with me and Trevor. So you just read my mind. Okay, great. There's no hiding that we are all very close. And I think I do bring out a really great side of you guys, and it'd be pretty great to be the one to do that interview to get that'd the, be really fun. Get the real, get the dirt, get the real dirt. So, um, I heard all the questions about Trevor. I love Trev. I'll definitely have him back on again. But I think, you know, there is a an interest, right? A curiosity around like, you guys are these like really interesting people and they really are in real life. I'm telling you super artists and how you like, you know, function also like in this world, I think it's beyond people just wanting to know the dirt. Like it's like, wait, how, how is this happening? And I think the one thing I will say about you and Trevor, just to touch on that is you're like our greatest teachers in the blending of the nepal and living or spirituality and living or groceries and praying like you really have like taught us that like middle ground of being able to do both and i think you're teaching a lot of people that so i think it would be a really good episode and uh i'll just leave that at that unless there's anything else
0: you want to say about trev right now tbd let's see let's yeah. do the episode
1: All right. All right. So we are going to pause right here. That's it for this week. Emery and I ended up talking for like an hour and 45 minutes. So we decided it was best to split this episode into two. So we'll come back next week with the rest of this conversation. We dive deeper into mental health and uh, a lot more stuff. So I'm looking forward to having you back here next week. Thank you for listening this week. I, um, When we got talking about Nepal, basically almost an hour went by. I couldn't believe it. So I was totally transported in this conversation. And I am so grateful for Emery and um, for her vulnerability and for her sharing. And I can't wait for you to hear next week. So thank you for being here. Have a beautiful week. Take some deep breaths. Get outside. Take care of yourselves. Be easy on yourselves. And until next time, keep growing.